Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 145. Today's episode is all about intimacy. All of a sudden, I started to interact with life, the universe, the breeze, as if it was my lover. As if I could be sexy and say, come, come, what you got for me today? I dare ya. Like I started to flirt with existence and I started to feel sexy and free and confident and alive. And instead of coming to a situation like, I wonder what bad things could happen. And I went to worst case scenario, like automatically the habits started shifting as I began to literally feel my body and go, okay, life, what do you got for me today? Penetrate me with all that you've got. I'm ready. And I would start to be sassy and sexy and joyful. And I noticed that I was literally interacting with the field, which science has proven happens a million times a second, checking in on your vibration. My vibration was rising. I was beginning to dance with the mystery. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, subscribers and reviews are really, really helpful to me, and it's a really easy way to give back if this content is helpful to you. So I just want to give a shout out to someone who left me a recent review that really touched my heart. Katerina says, I have been listening to this podcast for a few months now. Every single episode has been so unbelievably helpful. The insight Melissa has and the authenticity is palpable. I'm grateful for this podcast, what it's helping me heal and supporting my growth. I love this podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. Well, thank you so much, Katerina. It means so much to me to read things like this. So if you're out there and you haven't left a review yet, I would be so appreciative if you did. But of course, sending you all my love either way. And now into the good stuff. When you think of intimacy, what comes to mind? And would you say you're good at it? Usually people view intimacy as either having sex or sharing personal information. But I think those are just byproducts. If you look up intimacy, a lot of the descriptions are around emotional closeness. And that makes a little more sense, but I still think it's missing something. But I'll get to that in a minute. Personally, it took quite a while for me to really understand intimacy. Now, looking back, I can see pretty clearly which life experiences either taught me a little bit more about intimacy or cut me off a little more from it. The other day, I saw this dad on TikTok give a little spiel about how he sees a lot of dads of girls threatening violence to the guys they date. Like, if you hurt my little girl, I'll be waiting for you. And the dad was like, yeah, don't do that. Instead, show her how a man should be treating a woman. Hold open doors for her. Listen to her. Give her love. That way, when a date comes to pick her up and only honks in the driveway, she'll cancel that date herself right then and there. Something about that totally hit home for me. 
it made me realize that I didn't know what a good relationship looked like at all. So most of my relationships were trying to figure that out. My first boyfriend just cheated the whole time. My second boyfriend constantly made me feel like I couldn't hold a candle to his ex from middle school. I just always felt like I had to live up to something. Like I had to be the person they wanted me to be. So I was always trying to be prettier, to be more easygoing, to like what they liked. And I know I'm not the only one who did this. I see it all the time. And first of all, it is completely unsustainable. But more than that, it's so damaging. Think about it. When you're trying to prove your worth by becoming something that you're not, then you're straight up saying that the real you isn't good enough. You're showing yourself that your worth comes from all of these other things rather than just who you are. And so you know how I said earlier that defining intimacy as just an emotional closeness was missing something? Well, now I think of intimacy as deeply knowing someone and feeling deeply known. But in order to feel deeply known, I think you have to deeply know yourself. Instead of spending so much time trying to figure out who those guys wanted me to be, I wish I would have spent more time figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be. I actually think that this is the key to almost everything in life. Finding your passion and your happiness, figuring out which friendships are worth your time and energy, deciding where you want to live and if you want kids. Most of these things involve some sort of self-awareness of who you are and what you want out of life. Knowing yourself gives you the power to choose and to design your life to fit your needs and your desires. Don't worry, you don't have to have it all figured out. Each of these things, especially intimate relationships, offer a lot of self-discovery as well. There's so much I've learned about myself just being with my husband. Seeing certain things that would have otherwise just slipped by on autopilot, but instead they're just reflected right back to me or responded to because, you know, there's another human that has to deal with it. We're going to be figuring ourselves out our whole lives. So what if instead of spending so much time finding the one, we spent that time finding ourselves so that we could attract someone to us who loves us exactly for who we are? and for who we're becoming on our terms instead of theirs. So that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Alana Pratt. She's a go-to authority for those who have suffered heartbreak and are ready to live unapologetically and attract an open-hearted, ideal relationship. She's all about helping you develop a healthy, intimate relationship with yourself first, which naturally attracts and enhances your ideal partnerships. So three key things we will learn today are how to find our intimacy blind spots, how to define a relationship by your own standards, and how to learn to flow and dance with life itself. But before we dive in, do you wish you had a little reminder to help you stay aligned each day? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. 
And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power list to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Alana Pratt to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful that even in the pre-ramble that we were able to be so real and vulnerable. It's so great to be with somebody who's courageous enough to just be transparent. So thank you for having me so much. You know, I realized there was so much of my life where I was trying to be somebody else, like whether it was trying to be perfect, trying to fit somebody's ideals. And I found all of my healing through just sharing. It was it was my number one way of releasing my shame. So it's a big part of who I am now. And it's, it is just so freeing, right? Yeah. It's really hard to remember who you lied to and who you told the truth to. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. <laughs> oh my God. I actually know exactly what you're talking about. It's been a while since I've had to do that, but there's just times where I've ended up just being my real self. Like I am now. And they kind of look at me. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. You knew me in college. I was still telling this story. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious. How did you become a relationship and intimacy expert? What in your background led you on that journey? Yeah, well, I was a hot mess. That's that's what did, that's what did it. So in terms of the relationship expert, which is kind of what I started with 15, 20 years ago, it was because I was in a marriage that was not working and I started going to workshops and realizing there's this whole personal growth world out there. And in the different courses I took, uh, once they were complete, I was asked to like return as a coach and then as a head coach. And that happened for about five years upon which time I actually was divorced from my first marriage. And I'm like, okay, well, it's up, excuse me, it's up to me to, you know, pay, pay the bills again. And I was blessed to have uh, been supported during the marriage, but I'm like, okay, let's put a shingle up. Let's call ourselves a coach because people are telling me things they haven't told other people. And sometimes in the space of my listening, they tell me things they haven't even told themselves. There's something here. And I, I dove deeper and I continued my training and I started working and, and I realized that it really came down to a relationship with yourself. That seemed to be the theme that most people came to me for. Sure, the, the, they wanted a, a, a lover. They wanted a more thriving relationship. They wanted to feel sexier. They had all this going on, but at the end of the day, it all came back to their relationship with themselves. And then I started to learn about the word intimacy. And of course, our first thought is maybe just, you know, bound to bound bound intimacy. But for me, intimacy is really about being real, raw, transparent, vulnerable, honest with ourself. And when we have this intimate connection and relationship with ourself, we're no longer avoiding ourself. These people would come to me and say, I'm only attracting emotionally unavailable people. I'm like, yeah, well, let's just see how emotionally unavailable you are to yourself. <laughs> and we discovered there was a hell of a lot of criticism, rejection, unkindness, or just downright abandoning the feelings and emotions that would arise. Because people, me included, nobody told me how to deal with boatloads of shame, sadness, terror. Like, what do you do with that? So I would just shove it down put on a happy face and be fake. I didn't know how to integrate it. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to lean in and have the very worst bring out the very best in me. And so I kept learning as I kept coaching. And then over time, uh, that word just kept coming up all the time, intimacy, intimacy. So I'm like, okay, 
I've got two divorces under my belt. I don't really think it's accurate to say I'm a relationship expert. I'm more of a divorce expert, but I am really good at an intimate relationship with myself, my body, the divine, my clients, my son, and the quality of my romantic relationships has skyrocketed as a result of this intimacy work that I do with myself and my clients. So that's how I, that's how I coined the name intimacy expert. It's interesting that I think so many of us think that we're going to attract a relationship based on how we're approaching relationship with other people. But I think you made a great point that it's not usually a reflection of how we're treating the partner in our life or the friendships or whoever we're trying to develop that intimacy with. It's how we're treating ourselves because that relationship with yourself is going to set the standard for how you allow yourself to be treated. So if I allow my negative self-talk to be really high, when I hear it from somebody else, it's going to almost feel normal. But if I am strategic or intentional and I stop myself from saying certain things and I spend the time to understand what my real desires are, you can't really ignore the fact that your desires are being unfulfilled anymore because you know them and you can't unknow it after that. But if you don't even spend the time to understand your desires, then you're going to just be seeking in the relationship, wondering why you don't feel fulfilled, but you don't know what to fill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. There's a fullness, a sense of home when every bit of approval, appreciation, attention, worthiness, everything that we in the past have been seeking from another, when we draw a line in the sand going, okay, that's not working. That's actually pushing people away. Or even if I find it, I get like desperate and needy and jealous and crazy because I got to keep it. Okay. That's not working. What else is possible? And then shift from the outside in to the inside out and start to give yourself that approval, appreciation, attention, and worthiness. And at first to the ego, it sounds really dorky. Like, what are you going to like love yourself or something? Like there, you're going to get this voice that comes up that wants to be in control and keep you afraid so it can control you. But if you stick with it long enough and you're really doing some profound exercises Coming home to self is a calm, quiet bliss and a confidence that has nothing to do with anything on the outside that no one can ever take away, which allows one to feel free, unapologetic, embrace life. Like, of course, we'd all prefer still that we're liked, but we no longer need it to be. Oh, and that freedom is delicious. One of the ways that I really started to understand that I had shifted in my business, I want to be perfect. I want to do it right. I want everyone to like me. You know, that's how I started. And so if I made a mistake, I would deny it, blame someone else, uh, make up all these excuses and all these reasons. um, And then, you know, be mad at maybe one of my assistants or something because I couldn't be with rejection on the outside because I was rejecting myself on the inside. My little you had hit her with a two by four and she was bleeding in the closet. Like, and I was just pretending I was Miss Perfect. And when things really started to change and I could love, maybe even before love was probably allow and then accept and then love my wobbly parts just as much as my badass parts. When I really started to unconditionally love, love without condition, all of me, when a problem happened with a client I wouldn't immediately react and justify. 
I would immediately just, it was almost like I just put down all my walls and I would just say, I'm so sorry. And then I would acknowledge them just like I'd learned to acknowledge little you inside my heart. You have every right to feel that way. I can only imagine how frustrated that must make you feel. Like I got totally into their world, didn't resist, didn't justify, didn't give reasons. And my apology was genuine. And then I would clean up the mess. I would make up for the damage done. I would really be able to take care of people, but I didn't do it from a sense of I'm a loser or I'm lacking. It was just a humility and, and honesty. And it turned out beautifully. And now I don't have that fear when I get the email of complaints. I can just drop all my defenses and just connect with people. And it's wild how quickly they turn around when they're so beautifully acknowledged for their own valid frustration. They'll say, oh, no, no, it's okay. I actually, I lost the email. You're right. Actually, you did send the email. That was my mistake. And they own it. But the old me, if I had said, I sent the email three days ago. No, you didn't. And it just would have been conflict. And so we can take this practice with ourself, with our clients, into our love relationships and give that same spaciousness and grace to our partners. And it just lowers the conflict and it maintains the heart connection. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. That's one of the biggest things I've learned in my own relationship, and I've mentioned it in a number of podcasts. It's something I'm so grateful for, is in my relationship, we allow each other that space to be vulnerable and come and say sorry. And in past relationships that I've had, for example, it's like I would make a mistake, and I, I remember one in particular, I apologized for something but then that was always held against me or I felt like he thought I was more likely to be wrong because I was willing to get vulnerable, which then makes you not want to 
step up and say anything at all and like not own that part of yourself. And in this one, it's like so many of a relation, so many reactions in a relationship where you're living together 24 seven through your cycle and like emotional highs and lows. Sometimes I just snap because I'm emotional or I'm hungry, you know, it's not logical. And so instead of having to come with some big reason as to why I did that, I can just be like, you know, I, I'm sorry, I was hangry or I was not my best self right there with no really explanation needed. And we can just come together in love and it makes it easier for then him to do the same if he makes a mistake. But I think we have to, I think sometimes we expect the other person in the relationship to invite us in to do that, but it really does start with ourselves showing up vulnerable and then seeing how that is. And that's how you invite them in is just by being that example. Yeah, it's a great point you're making, the bravery that it requires when you know you were cranky pants and (laughs) you're like, how am I going to go back over and like talk to them? And this standoff thing happens and the avoidance thing happens and, and all it really takes is a big breath and opening your heart to yourself and then opening your heart to your partner and just going over and just putting a hand on their shoulder, perhaps just saying, I'm really sorry. I was totally cranky pants there. And and the other person to take a beat, take a breath and receive it. Just that little moment can be so sacred. And if you haven't, as you said, in that past relationship, been in a dynamic like that, when maybe you came up and you go, I'm so sorry. And they go, well, you're right, you were, and they make you wrong again. It's not going <laughs> to go very well. You're not going to want to go over and say sorry. So before the mm, conflict occurs, beginning to have some I guess we could call them ground rules. I think agreements is maybe a nicer word um, of like, how can we be with each other that can bring out the best in each other and really be a stand for each other's enlightenment, grandeur? Like we want to be able to say what's true and be like a loving catalyst to awaken the best in each other and also have the grace that we're both perfectly imperfect. How could we actually communicate so that when there are moments of humanity, moments of falling down, we can get back up and reconnect without holding grudges or making each other wrong. Just being open to these kind of conversations while things are going well can then set you up for when the, the moments do happen to do a real a redo, like I'd like a do over, please, <laughs> and and say it again. How, how is it in your relationship? Well, it's, I mean, I'm so grateful for the way we both work from home. We, <laughs> we spend a lot of time together. We both like to travel, but he's also the first person I've ever been with that works on himself as much as I do, or at least close to it, you know? And so if I'm learning something and I'm like, I'm reading this book and it's, and we're talking about intimacy and it's saying these three tips, he'll be interested and he'll ask about it and we can apply it together. Whereas past relationships, I, I felt like even if they did have a desire to learn they were on their own path to learning. And if I brought something up, it was almost like ego would step in and they wouldn't want to shift into my world or apply that at all because if they were learning it from me, it wasn't like them growing on their own or something like that. And I see that happen in a lot of relationships. I actually uh, got an email from a listener one time and she was just like, how do you share things with your husband? It's like, just because it's my idea, my husband wants nothing to do with it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember those days. Yeah. You make a great point because I believe couples who grow together stay together. In fact, I have a dating app that I'm creating that is based on intimacy training. 
you've got to be in the intimacy training program and then the app is free. And there's also a training after the dating app for couples as, as well, because I believe that real relationships require real work for me in all transparency. When I used to attract the people that would make me wrong, that wouldn't want to grow, that would want to be right. At least for me, I just took total responsibility. Where in me am I still judging myself? Where am I still holding myself like I won't forgive myself for something? Where do I still need to be right inside of me? And I realized that there were still aspects of internal growth, that there was a sliver, not a huge part, like I'm a pretty together chick, I think, but there was still a sliver that was still looking for a partner to approve of me, agree with me, give me the attention, something there was like a neediness on some level that if I could, instead of them being right about it, they could see my point of view, then I'd be good enough. If they were so busy, but they gave me enough time to pay attention to what I was reading and what I was listening to, then I'd be good enough. It was like this really subtle hint where I still needed them on some level to approve of me. And when I resolved that and they didn't need, I didn't need that anymore. I didn't need the approval, the attention, the agreement that I only was receiving in the opposite form of judgment and righteousness, et cetera. That dynamic dissolved in my life. And I've started to, I, I'm not married like you are, but I'm, I've started to attract partners who are like you guys, both lifelong learners, both able to own, <laughs> um, own their shit. Each of us can own our shit and we're not going to fling our shit and blame the other and project it onto the other. When, when someone's having a meltdown, you're like, okay, this is my thing. This is my thing. This is my trigger. I, I need a timeout. I'll be back. Like we can really own it. But I think that's only because I have grown in my evolution. Do you feel there was any blind spots that led to the relationships in the past where they were incongruent that has now led you to this relationship and marriage that does, that is congruent? 100%. When I look at my younger self, I was all about getting my worth from the outside in. It was validation in my success and my grades and who liked me and what I looked like. And I can see how it developed. Like I didn't feel like a cute girl in middle school, you know, like I wasn't the one getting all the dates and <laughs> things like that. Well, my friends kind of started to blossom in that area. And, and so I remember feeling like when I've got my first boyfriend, I had to keep him. I, and it, and I, it didn't feel like I earned him just by being me. It was like the person that I was being, which is then completely unsustainable. And yeah. he was the wrong person anyways. So it's like that feeling of me trying to hold him down was never going to work because he was a giant flirt and he was, we were both young and he just cheated on me the whole time. And so it just mm -hmm. drilled these things in. And then I would, I would be like, okay, well now who do I need to become so that this doesn't happen? And it ended up, I was more promiscuous than I would be now knowing what I know. I was more, I, I had lower standards. I, tried to be the girl who loved sports. I don't like sports. I just don't. I like playing them, but I do not like watching them. <laughs> I pretended <laughs> to like watching sports for years. So, uh, and then there was just a time where I did start to work on my worth and it really did happen kind of naturally. I had to climb out of my own hole of trauma that I created and yeah. I started doing yoga and I was surrounding myself with other people and I just wasn't interested in 
guys anymore. And I mean, I still dated and whatever, but I was focused on myself. And through that, naturally, it started to even out. And my next boyfriend was a little bit better and then a little bit better. And and by the time I met my husband, I was at a point where I did not care to meet somebody. I was having a blast in life on my own. And so was he. And so with us meeting, it wasn't that we needed that. It's that we found each other and we're like, well, this fits so well, we can't really ignore it. Mm. I want to just jump through and hug you right now. <laughs> it's a great story and it's really how it works. And it's literally the tagline on my dating app, become the one to find the one. I love this. Having a blast in my life on my own. I believe it's required. I don't know if you ever had the blessing of um, meeting Dr. Barbara Marks Hubbard before she died last year, but no. she was so instrumental in supporting me. I was like, Dr. Barbara, I can have oneness with my little you on the inside. I can have oneness with the divine. I do my work. But hell if I can find a man to have oneness with. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> and so she said, oh, you're stuck in the soulmate world. It's time for you to evolve into the whole mate world. And my dating app is called Heartmates, kind of as an honor to what she taught me. And I said, of course, tell me more. And she uh, accurately, I believe, explained how in the beginning it was like role mates. Like we would be together for church, for state, for babies, like, you know, for money, that kind of thing. And we evolved. And then we came together for love. But I'm saying it with like a lot of drama because you're the one, you complete me. And it's really two shadows, uh, two wounds being attracted to one another. That that chemistry in the beginning is just like to die for. You forget your friends, you forget to work out, you even forget to eat lunch. And it, you forget humanity, you forget your purpose, everything. It's just about each other. And then of course it blows up and everybody hates each other and kills each other off in a divorce most of the time. Um, every so often though, that soulmate relationship evolves into something a lot more beautiful. And people have used the word like twin flame soul or this kind of thing. Um, she believed that it was called, she called it a wholemate relationship where two people are whole, not perfect, but whole. They've done enough inner work, as you said so beautifully, having a blast in my life on my own. Two whole people coming together. And so the, the whole now becomes greater than the sum of the parts. You literally literally ignite each other's unique evolutionary spark. You become more for the world, for each other, and for yourself by being with another whole person. And so I'm like, aha, that's what I've been doing. And so even though I've been uh, single and working on myself for years and years after, I've been probably divorced for, what, like 18 years now, um, continue to work on myself, there was still, when I shifted from working on myself doing the yoga, doing all the classes, all the rest of it. When I shifted into dating gear, I kind of regressed into, oh yeah, like we complete each other. So I really had to be conscious of going, okay, wait, who would I be being whole? Who would I be giving from the overflow and, and willing to receive a life that's even greater than having a blast on my own? Like that capacity to receive even more glory, even more love, even more possibility, like it was a bit of worthiness for me that it could get even better. And then the vulnerability, well, then they're going to smell my farts. Like they're going <laughs> to stick around all the whole shebang, not just these long distance relationships that I did where, where they were like passionate weekends once a month, but it wasn't really real life. It took a lot of bravery to be whole and vulnerable and how can I be a catalyst for your enlightenment? There's a whole other realm of, of living. And now I've created a whole 
dating app and, and programs around supporting couples, you know, real relationships require real work to get to this whole mate stage. And when we date, if we date to find the one, we're screwed. So how can I support people to date first to become the one and in so doing find the one? Um, and then of course I am no better than anyone else. I'm walking the whole journey myself while I'm teaching it. So the, the eternal student. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I've learned through the process too is that I, I am still working on myself through the relationship. It doesn't become like, oh, I work on myself and I'm becoming the person that I want to be. And then I f- get into a relationship and now I'm only working on that relationship. Part of the success of our relationship is that we both still have our own interests and our own lives. And so many of them are intermingled. But like, I remember there was a whole transitional period in the beginning of our relationship because I was infatuated and I loved being with him and he lived a few hours away. So when I'd go there, I'd go for days. But then I, I had to make the conscious effort of realizing in my past relationships, I had given too much of myself, not necessarily just to the person, but it's like my life would blend into theirs. And so then when we'd break up, I felt like I was losing everything. His friends were my friends. It was the only people I was hanging out with. My routine was his routine. And so I really was conscious this time about being like, okay, well, I'm going to go back home for a few days. I'm going to spend time with the girls. I'm still going to do girls trips. And it ended up just the whole relationship, I'm sure it had something to do with it, but it's like still having that me time to allow myself to develop and see who I become on my own too, see what interests are still developing because our development doesn't stop when we meet a partner. I'm still like randomly will decide, hey, I think I want to pick up this skill or like go do this women's group over here or like start a podcast, you know? And so I think that's really important too. What are your thoughts on working on the relationship and also still taking that time for yourself in the process of it. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. What are your thoughts on working on the relationship and also still taking that time for yourself in the process of it? Absolutely. I love the, the, the image of two circles that overlap, but not completely. So it's only overlapping like in the center part. So you've got yourself that you're still taking care of and there's the relationship that you're taking care of. And if we completely overlap, that's when we lose ourselves. And like you were saying, you break up and you're like, where did I go? So I think it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing. Me time to me is a non-negotiable. Each person I believe should have their own morning practice where they get centered with their soul. They start the day full. Uh, I believe there still ought to also be date night. And even after years and years, it might sound like, well, I'm a sure thing. Why do we need to go on a date? Like, you know, but um, I think it's important to make it a ritual. Make it a time where, you know, you put the phones away. Make it a time where you can have deeper conversation. Explore different areas that might be coming up in your life around work or money or sexuality or children or retirement or what have you. Like uninterrupted time that's sacred, special, and like a ritual. I think it's absolutely fundamental that you have your own communities. And yes, as you said, they can overlap. But there's something that, like one person can't provide everything. It's way too much pressure on one person. So to have your woman's group, to have your friends, to have your alone time, this is all, I think, very, very healthy for balance. And then when you are together, you appreciate each other more. And you can get through the differences that sometimes show up in a relationship, just as simple as one partner is more energetic than the other. Or one person likes to stay up a little later and the other one likes to get up a little earlier. And now that I I don't know how old you are, if you're having a child, you're probably younger than me. I'm 50. So a lot of my clients are in their 50s and they don't even necessarily want to live in the same house. They can even live in two different cities. There are so many different ways to do relationship once you've been on your own for quite some time. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you'd like to have two master bedrooms and you'd like to make love when it works for both of you, but one likes to stay up as a midnight owl and the other one likes to get up at 5 a.m. with the sunrise. There's nothing, that doesn't mean you can't be married. It doesn't mean you can't be in a relationship. There's ways when you honor who you are and you have really solid roots that when you grow the shoots of this relationship, it's okay if it doesn't look traditional. It's okay if other people think you're weird, who cares? It's not about approving, getting other people's approval. It's about living your truth 
and being able to express it and even allowing it to change over time. One of my mentors, they've been together, my God, 33 years, I think it is. And when they had children, young children growing up, they had a certain configuration of where they lived, how they lived. But now that they're empty nesters and they're even more deep into their spiritual practice and even more into their sacred sexuality, they literally have a lovemaking room. And they have they literally each have their own rooms, which is like where they sleep. And then they have a lovemaking tantra room. And then they have their own offices. They have a beautiful dining room. Like they've totally redesigned their life in a way that really works for them. And people think they're a little wacko. And I think they're wonderfully wise because they're allowing life to continue to evolve. They're allowing themselves to continue to evolve individually and together. And they're quite adorable, really. They've had some bumps, obviously, 33 years, you're gonna have some bumps. You know, there's a certain kind of love, that honeymoon initial stage, and then there's that seasoned love, just the way they love each other. So that's how they are, and it's really beautiful. I love that, and it's just another example of really defining your life from the inside out instead of the outside in. Like if you are creating your relationship structure just because that's what you see or that's what everyone else does, it's like nobody decided that that's the best way at all. Like <laughs> like there is such thing as evolving the structure of something as well. Even my mom has said to me, uh, my husband and I both love to travel. We're not traveling that much right now, but I was speaking places. I was traveling with my girls. We travel together a lot too, but at one point we were spending a lot of time apart, but it was fine for us. We also at that time were living in a studio and had just gotten done like traveling Europe for a month and a half, (laughs) half the time like in a car and staying in other studios. And and my mom's just like, you guys don't spend very much time together. This isn't what married couples do. And I was like, this is what we do. This is how we're happy. (laughs) And it works for us. And it really helped to build our relationship. But then as we, as we developed even more and I am learning about myself and through the process, I learned I was an empath while I was married to him. And it it was really an enlightening moment for me because I can be an extrovert, but at times all of a sudden I I like don't want to be around people at all. And I didn't I thought maybe I was just moody or like didn't know how to be a good friend sometimes. And then when I really started understanding what being an empath was, I started to realize, oh, I just need plenty of time to recharge. And now he knows that about me. So when we go visit his family and we're around people for a really long time and I'm like, hey, I need to go just read for a little bit on my own. He's like, or he'll even bring it up sometimes. Like, like, do you want to go take a walk by yourself or what do you need? And it means so much to me because other, in other relationships, I'd be like, well, I need to go be by myself for a little bit. And it's like, really, we're only here for a few days. And I would feel the guilt and I would feel like a bad partner and all of that. And so I think really understanding yourself through the relationship and seeing what that relationship is bringing out in you is important too. Mm, Good. I'm so, I just want to hug him now. (laughs) (laughs) and hug him. So beautiful that you recognized who you are, expressed who you are, and that he can honor who you are. And I'm sure you do exactly the same. I'm very similar to you, Melissa. I I like living alone. I love being in big houses in the middle of nowhere. That makes me really happy. <laughs> it's like my energy is it can be big, but there's like quietness around. And I'm I work a lot and I support people and on I do interviews and I work with clients, but when the downtime regeneration time happens, if I'm like, I, and I've lived in my, when I was younger, Tokyo, New York, LA, I've lived in big cities. There was a, 
uh, a wonderful vibe and aliveness that I felt when I was younger. I can't, I can't do that anymore. My downtime needs to be alone in nature, quiet, and I feel the, the oneness and the expansion. And if I don't have that personally, uh, I contract, I get really cranky, bitchy, um, crunchy, and I'm not any good for anybody. So taking the time to not, there isn't one way that's better than the other. There's just you. And to really think about the times in your life when you've thrived. When are the times in your life when you've been most alive? When are the times when life seemed to just fall into place with the greatest ease? Notice the conditions. Notice the environment. Notice how well you were taking care of your body, perhaps. Notice who were the, you know, three, four, five, six people that you were hanging out with the most. Notice what you were doing. What, what Were you aligned with your purpose or, you know, more than before? It was as we begin to become curious about what are the aspects that best nurture and fuel our best selves, then now we can be conscious about it, then we can communicate about it, we can make requests, um, and it goes so much better in relationships rather than blaming the other or blaming ourselves and then just giving up. We have, we have choice. There's so many possibilities. So when I'm looking back at the last few years, probably the last seven years or so, has been when a ton of my growth has happened. And in that time, I've also had a couple of friendships falling away. That, mm -hmm. And I look back at those, and it seems necessary at this point. I mean, I met them at a completely different point in my life. I was a different person. And what I noticed with the last one is... Uh, she had moved away for a while and then moved back. And when we'd hang out, it was like I was this old version of myself, like it was anchoring me there. And it wasn't necessarily somebody I wanted to be. It was like the person who would go day drinking and we'd finish a bottle and a half of wine together. And I'd be like, I don't do this anymore. Why am I doing this? And so yeah. when I look at those friendships falling away, I'm like, okay, you know, it became a point that we weren't really just energetically compatible at that point. Yeah. And so it made sense that it would fall away. But when we're in an intimate relationship, relationship with somebody that we want to be in for a long time, I think there can still be that tendency to have parts of yourself anchored or, you know, this is who you were when you met them, or this is who you, you have been for a really long time with them. And maybe now there's a part of you that is experiencing growth. How do you recommend to people to allow yourself and your partner that flexibility to grow as a person without feeling like you're growing apart? Mm, good. Can we just talk for three hours? You are so amazing. Yeah, I love your questions. So when couples come to me to work together, I think it's um, unrealistic to imagine, even though I still believe couples who grow together stay together, I think it's unrealistic that a soul, like a robot or something, would absolutely grow step for step, line for line, congruently the whole relationship. I don't think that's even statistically realistic. So when a couple comes to me, one is generally growing before the other. It's almost like this DNA spiral. The DNA spiral is always going up, 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 right? We're always growing, but sometimes we go around the backside of the moon, the dark side of the moon, before we come around again. And so your partner could be going through an, a dis, an uncomfortable, beautiful crisis that's turning into a birth, but at the time, it's still uncertain and they're wobbly. And you're like, where did my partner go? Where's the person I can rely on to be X, Y, and Z? And it causes conflict. So what I say to the couples first is I just explain that concept that there's nothing wrong here, actually. And just that, letting go of resistance, letting go of blaming them or blaming yourself, just to embrace this as normal and natural and even healthy 
that we, we keep growing, that takes away a lot of the fear. Oh, because instantly they're different. Are they going to break up with me? Do I need to leave? Like we, it's crazy how quickly we go to worst case scenario. So just realizing this is normal and natural can make everybody relax. And then I've been trained in some very beautiful high level quantum psychology practices and spiritual technology processes. I'm always learning, always growing, always getting new certifications. And there's a specific one around identities. Most of the time when I support people, because we can't create on top of an emotional charge, like, like when you get triggered, you see red, you can't think. You can't create, you, you can't hear your intuition, it's impossible. So even though people have the best of intentions, really a lot of the blocks for couples I work with or singles is that trigger, that trauma, that emotional charge, and I normally integrate that. But recently in my most recent training, I learned that the, the cause, the source of those emotional triggers and traumas are rooted in an identity. I'm gonna be like this because this is what I need and this is what I believe and this works for me. Well, when one of the partners begins to shift identities and evolve in identities, then the whole relationship goes sideways because what you need is no longer being provided. What you believe to be true is no longer happening. And there's fear. Uh, there's maybe anger as well, frustration, annoyance, irritation, but underneath it all is generally fear. So I take them through these identity processing exercises where they can start to, to identify, oh my God, I was being, and they can explain this to their partner after they do the process with me uh, separately. So I do a process for each of them separately and then we come back together. They can then verbalize, I was being the lonely one. I was actually being the victim. I was being the know-it-all. I was being, I got this myself. Like there was a label to how they were being before. And when I was being that, I really needed you to be so-and-so because I really believed such and such. And the partner's like, yeah, that's what we got married for. Now what? And then they can explain through the process I take them through. I've now evolved into this higher level identity, more of the one of a, the allowing one, the creative one, the co-creating co with the universe one, the sage, the, the teacher. Maybe there's like a new identity that's arising and I no longer need you to so-and-so and I no longer believe such and such. Here's my new goal. Here's my new intention. Here's my new commitment. Because here's what I believe now is possible for you and me, you and I. And the, the other part, uh, the other part, you know, partner in the relationship is no longer takes it personally, sees that they're included in this new reality that this new identity is creating, and they're back on the same page again. That requires bravery deep communication, going through some counseling, uh, healing sessions together, more communication, and then the gift of allowance to, to actually be happy for your partner that they're evolving and not take it personally like you're losing something. And then eventually it also becomes an inspiration to the other partner, hmm, where am I ready to evolve? What identities am I ready to let go of? What higher self am I ready to evolve and step into? What new you know, ways of being with my partner can I choose? What new beliefs would actually support a new reality arising in my life? It's quite astounding what can happen for, for a partnership when I take them through this process.
I think that the whole like name it to tame it method is so powerful for me too. It's, it just helps me feel less alone. Like I'm not going through something crazy or like a unique person that, or just like totally unique that no one can understand what I'm going through. And so, yeah, sometimes identifying with something like the victim, even though it's not flattering, it's like, oh, I'm just being a victim here. And this is a, a stage of healing or whatever it is. Plus it requires a uh, level of self-awareness when you realize, hey, I no longer need you to do this. It reminds me of in my relationship, there's times where I'll say something to my husband and and he'll start to say something and I can feel myself getting annoyed. Like it's not the thing I wanted to hear. And yeah. um, before I, it maybe like would get us into a mini tiff and I'd be like, Ugh, whatever, I can't talk to you about this. Now I'm like in my head, I, go, I automatically go through a process of I just needed to vent and I need you to agree with everything I say right now. And so I'll just say that to him and he'll just be like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, just no, stop reasoning with me. Just agree with everything I say right now and let me vent. And he'll be like, okay, got it. Wow. That's really crazy. Can't believe she did that to you. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'm better now. And then I can just walk away, but shifts it from expecting him to know what I want. And it also shows me what am I actually looking for? And then it allows me to see it from an even higher level of is that the healthiest thing I should be looking for in that moment or can I do this a better way like maybe I should just sit and reason with myself instead of dragging somebody else into the chaos at the same time beautifully said I'm so glad you're like coaching yourself as you're talking to him and asking for what you need and he's just like along for the ride baby girl okay whatever (laughs) awesome that's awesome so you talk about uh, the unknown and and the, you talk about the sexy dance with life itself and something about that just seems so intriguing to me. What do you mean by having a sexy dance with life? Oh, well, I love people going through COVID. Everything's so uncertain. And I was on Jenny McCarthy's show the other day and we're, we're laughing because we're like, when has it not been uncertain people? Like, when did you get the memo? <laughs> it's always been uncertain. We've never been in control. And so this was a a very scary place for me when I began my personal growth journey. My dad was drunk and stoned growing up. He's totally dry now. But I had the sense that life wasn't safe growing up. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I always wanted to be three steps ahead uh, trying to control things. And uh, I, I had it in my head that I could actually make life certain. And that I actually could control things, which of course was a complete misunderstanding, but that was my, that was my MO. And so as I began to heal and, and breathe through and, and deal with the truth that it's uncertain, always has been and always will be, that I can choose, but I can't control what anybody's going to do or what's going to happen at all. I can influence, but I can't control. I needed to find a way that I could be okay with that. So first I started off with the little you really soothing myself on the inside, calming that little terrified girl down. And then when she was calm, all of a sudden I've been a dancer since I was like five years old, I was dancing and all of a sudden I started to interact with life, the universe, the breeze, as if it was my lover, as if I could be sexy and say, come, come, what you got for me today? I dare you. Like I started to flirt with existence. And I started to feel sexy and free and confident and alive. And instead of like coming to a situation like, I wonder what bad things could happen. And I went to worst case scenario, like 
automatically the habits started shifting as I began to literally feel my body and go, okay, life, what do you got for me today? Penetrate me with all that you've got. I'm ready. And I would start to be sassy and sexy and joyful. And I noticed that I was literally interacting with the field, which science has proven happens a million times a second, checking in on your vibration. My vibration was rising. I was beginning to dance with the mystery. I was beginning to be sexy with the unknown. I was beginning to make love with life. And I felt so free, empowered. And then these crazy coincidences would happen. Things would show up that I, I guess I can't really prove, but I believe began to happen because I was willing to be co-creating with life, in communion with life from a very uh, free, alive, delicious, sacred, feminine, sexy place. Um, and so it's it's one of the chapters in, in one of my programs where it's we do this 30-minute uh, exercise where we really learn to soften all of our edges and begin to make love with life and feel the sacredness of that sexy, sacred, sexual, uh, life force, chi of creativity that can come in as and through us 24-7. It doesn't always have to be sexy in the bedroom. It can be the sacred sexual energy of creation of this podcast. It could be the sacred sexy energy of, I would like to write a book. I think I'd like to go for a walk. It could be very sweet, quiet, and tender sacred sexual energy of just that healing touch or that healing listening of just being present with somebody. It can also be very bold, the sacred sexual energy when it's through you, really knows your yeses and your noes, your boundaries, your hell yes and your hell no. And of course, by making love 24-7 or as much as you can imagine with life, it, it just sort of makes you that it girl or that it guy. Like, what is it about them? They're just so happy for no reason, yummy for no reason, open for no reason. It kind of makes you quite attractive, um, irresistible, um, because you're just radiating so much energy and light and you're having a good time being alive. I love that. And you can feel the shift in energy in yourself when you're approaching life in those two different ways. It's like yeah. we have this illusion of control and, and the more that we set these like flags in the sand of, of this is how it's got to be. This is where, this is the situation that will make me open up. It reminds me of like the beginning of a relationship compared to a few years in. It's like if a new guy that you were infatuated picked you up and was like, Hey, I'm taking you somewhere special. Close your eyes. You'd keep that blindfold on and you'd be smiling and all excited. And two years into the relationship, you'd be like, um, I, I don't even know if I'm dressed right. Where are you taking me? This blindfold's ruining my makeup. <laughs> and it just kills <laughs> the magic. But if you approach your life that way and just accept like, yeah, all the uncertainty that we're dealing with right now, this is just a big flashlight onto the uncertainty that's always been there and it's forcing yeah. you to face it. And so if you just go in into it, whether it's life or your relationship with a curiosity, it's like, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, you're becoming somebody else. You're you're growing beyond me. Or, wow, I'm so curious as to who you're becoming right now. You're picking up this new skill. You're like, that's really cool. And just have this 
bring back the infatuation into that and bring back the curiosity and the love and the gratitude for either of those situations, I think it makes all the difference. So thank you so much for sharing just your vibrancy with us today. And it was such a great conversation. And for listeners that want to dive in more with you, possibly work with you and check out all the things you're working on, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Oh, thank you, Melissa. Is my site alanapratt.com and I spell it with two L's. A-L-L-A-N-A-P-R-A-T-T.com. There is a intimacy blind spot assessment quiz there. There are connections to my YouTube channel where I answer people's questions. There's my own podcast, Intimate Conversations. I've got lots of books. And as I said, it would be great if you would get in my world because soon, only maybe a month away, we will be launching the Founder Circle of my dating app that will be launched where you become the one to find the one we're calling it heartmates. So there's a lot of great resources and just a, a free community of unapologetic heart centered, badass, alive, making love with life people. <laughs> um, I would love you to be a part of my world so I could love you, serve you and support you. So come on over. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 145. So this week, I challenge you to make a little log about your relationships. How are you really showing up in them? In what areas of your relationship, whether you're dating or in a partnership, are you trying to be someone just to fit their needs rather than your own? Where are you giving too much of yourself and not really expecting the same in return? Don't get me wrong, I don't think that relationships are this transaction. I think there's a lot of dangers in being like, well, I did this for you, so you need to do this for me. But here's what happens when somebody really knows themselves. What happens is that you create a set of standards that are no longer negotiable. So it's not about this transactional relationship of, well, I did the dishes today, so you need to do the dishes tomorrow. It's more like, you will start to intuitively notice that you're the only one giving and that you deserve better. Because you know yourself and you're so confident in who you are, you'll start to attract a man or a woman who loves that about you, who wants an independent woman who knows herself, who isn't full of codependency and who can't be walked over like a doormat. Personally, I'm not even attracted to a guy who just gives me everything and expects nothing in return. It sounds good in theory, like a novelty, but I want a man who knows himself. I want someone who has hobbies and friends and a life path that revolves around something other than me. Yes, I also want and have a man that will give to me endlessly, that thinks of me often before himself, and that respects my boundaries and wants me to be happy in all the things. But guess what? If I wasn't doing those same things in return, his standards would probably override his selection. So that's what I mean by really knowing yourself. The more you can build up who you are, The things around you in your life, those little details, big details really, like relationships and life purpose and friendships and where you end up, those start to fall into place naturally because it's your lifestyle and who you are that begins to create them rather than trying to build up these things just to build up your worth. You can't do that from the outside in. It has to start from the inside. So be honest with yourself. You really have nothing to lose. It can only go up from here. And let me know how it goes. 
If you know of somebody who is struggling with this, who always seems to be putting their partner before themselves or doesn't really seem to know how to attract that relationship, share this episode with her or him. I know it's definitely something that I wish I would have learned a lot earlier than I did. It took me over a decade of relationships to even get a hint of figuring that one out. And if you love this episode, take a screenshot, share it on social media, and tag Mind Love Podcast and Mind Love Melissa. We have some really great exclusive episodes coming up this month as well. So if you want twice the Mind Love episodes, consider joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com premium. You also get access to meditations and videos and a bunch of other goodies. So as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.